cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 28th of April 2008. Newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and download as many of the old talks I've given in the past. There's years of talks there filling in all the little blank spots that they, they hide away in history, they tuck it away between battles and victors and losers and all that kind of stuff. You can also look into Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download in the various languages of Europe. Growing up for me was quite uh, an unusual experience because I got into the changes in the world and what was behind them very early on, so early on in fact that my parents and teachers didn't understand me half the time because they were not looking at the data that I was. I was buried into libraries trying to dig up what was really happening because I saw the conditions in Britain, which, which at that time were not very good at all. Britain was in basically a depression from World War II. They were still giving out ration cards to every child born up until about 1954, 1955. And it was a depressed economy. No one knew, of course, at least the adults didn't know, that an agency had been built up, set up, a bureaucratic agency, in coordination with France and a few other countries. In 1948, they started up their integrated bureaucracies to merge Europe together. And it was done by stealth and lots of lies. And even the way that they formatted it and gave it different names to make you think it was just about trading. And that was all. But then they started to use words later on like closer ties. The Prime Minister is signing a deal with the President of France for closer ties. And I wondered after years of these closer ties just how close you'd possibly get before you're bound together. And that was the idea. Now they're using the same terminology to do with the North American Union. So why change the formula when it worked already? And it's going ahead, full steam ahead here. We're already global as well as all of this happens. We're completely global. The agendas come from the top, from the United Nations, marketed down to the foundations in your countries. The foundations then fund the NGOs, non-governmental organizations, but then demand certain changes and laws get passed. And that's how simple it is. Because at the beginning of the 1900s in London, many of the big writers at the time of real history were telling us that democracy meant, ultimately, that only very large, wealthy groups of people would have a say in that kind 
government. And that's what we have. We're run by foundations which sponsor their own non-governmental organizations. And we have massive lobby groups for all of them, including all the big private interests. Now, you and I can't get an appointment to see a politician in your major capital city, but these characters literally have houses across the way from these buildings, and they know each other, and they get immediate consultatory advice. They meet who they want to and have things ran through. That's democracy for you. And I'll be back with more of this after these messages. Natural News, 
This is the same law that's been passed here as I think they've already passed in Europe. A law basically put out there by the big pharma companies who want to take over all competition. That's the name of the game in supposed free enterprise. You corner a market, you eliminate competition, and then you own all the beans and the profits, of course. Uh, And they call that good business. But naturalnews.com has an article here on Canada's C-51. And that'll be the same one in the States as well. Because as I say, they've done it to Europe, and now we must follow suit. And this is April the 28th, this particular article. Canada's C-51 law may outlaw 60% of natural health products. Big Pharma pushing to criminalize supplements. So there you are, Big Pharma tells you right there, here's a big gang, you see. Big Pharma is pushing to criminalize supplements. Why do they want to criminalize? Is it just to get the the whole market to themselves? That is definitely one big aspect of it. But the other aspect is, you see, we're all malnourished in the system of intensive farming, where they can modify spuds to look big, but they're soaked in poisons and all the rest of it. And and the, and the soil, too, is depleted. They keep using the same soil, and they add all of these artificial chemicals to them for instead of using manure. So we're all malnourished. We can have, be very overweight. In fact, most overweight people are actually undernourished. Their body's craving things, and they eat as much as they can. They're never satisfied because they're not getting the minerals and vitamins and all the rest of it that you need So here they are going to make us even sicker because a lot of people have been using supplements for years to try and overcome this deficiency in the food they buy. This is here, natural news. A new law being pushed in Canada by Big Pharma seeks to outlaw up to 60% of natural health products currently sold in Canada, even while criminalizing parents who give, listen to this, who are criminalized parents who give herbs or supplements to their children. Oh, we're so free, eh? We're so free. The law, known as C-51, was introduced by the Canadian Minister of Health on April 8th, 2008, and it proposes sweeping changes to Canada's Food and Drugs Act that could have devastating consequences on the health products industry. Among the changes proposed by the bill are radical alteration to key terminology, including replacing the word drug with therapeutic product. Throughout the act, thereby giving the Canadian government broad-reaching powers to regulate the sale of all herbs, vitamins, supplements, and other items. With the single language change, they have to do it. They do it. I've always told people words are so important, so important, because that's what lawyers deal with all the time the meanings of words and that's why you generally lose going into court you think you're saying all the right things but you have to understand it from this warped legalistic point of view it says here reaching uh, the power to regulate itself all herbs, vitamins, supplements and other items with this single language change anything that is therapeutic automatically falls under the Food and Drug Act. This would include bottled water, blueberries, dandelion greens, and essentially all plant-derived substances. 
the Act also changes the definition of the word sell to include anyone who gives such therapeutic products to someone else. Isn't that amazing? You see, using this kind of change in terminology, they can make criminals out of all of us for any reason they wish. So even if you give it to someone, it's still called selling. So a mother giving a herb to her child under the proposed new language could be arrested. Oh, another team of childcare workers here, the SWAT teams for childcare, could be arrested for engaging in the sale of unregulated, unapproved therapeutic substances. And it goes on to say, learn more about these freedom squashing changes to the law at stop51.com website. And I'll have that on my website. But it's just incredible what they're really doing. And it's just, as I say, the big gang at the top. Underneath this particular article, it says here, New enforcement powers allow Canadian governments to seize your home or business. Well, that's not really that new. There's just new reasons for it. At the same time that C-51 is outlawing herbs, supplements, and vitamins, it would grant alarming new enforcement powers to the enforcement agents. And the guys scrubbed out thugs, which is the guy I left it in personally. Uh, enforcement agents who claim to be protecting the public from dangerous, unapproved therapeutic agents like, say, dandelion greens. I explained on the www.educateyourself.org website, the C-51 law would allow Canadian government enforcement agents to raid your home or business without a warrant. Oh, we're getting, we're getting more and more democratic all the time. Seize your bank accounts, levy fines up to $5 million, and a jail term up to two years for merely selling a herb. You can confiscate your property, then charge you storage fees. Now, this is typically, they charge you storage fees for the expense involved in storing all the products they stole from you. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I keep mentioning the movie Gangs of New York. It's an excellent movie based on truth and real events that happened in New York City when various gangs were hammering each other for top dog spot. And at the end of the movie... The two main gangs are squaring off for the final fight, and they get bombarded by the U.S. Navy, this new Navy they just built up for the Civil War, and they bombard them from the ships just off off the coast, and then in comes this big military, that they have this first big organized military who wiped up, mopped up the gangs, and stopped all the riots that were happening in New York at the time. And the message was clear. You're all kaput. You're all finished. We're putting the kibosh on this because there's only one gang in town, and here it is. It's the federal government, the only one with such organization and money to fund it and support it. That was the message in that movie. Well worth going to see. To continue with this article here, C-51 would even criminalize the simple drying of herbs in your kitchen to be used in a herbal product. That would not be categorized as controlled activity. Oh, my goodness. I wonder what it be your washing when you hang out on the line. Controlled activity. And anyone caught engaging in such controlled activities would be arrested, fined, and potentially jailed. Other controlled activities include labeling bottles, harvesting plants on a farm, collecting herbs from your backyard, or even testing herbal products on yourself. 
is virtually every activity involving herbs or supplements would be criminalized. There's more too. C-51 is the Canadian government's final solution, good terminology here, for the health products industry. It's a desperate effort to destroy this industry that's threatening the profits and viability of conventional medicine. Natural medicine works so well and is becoming so widely used that both the Canadian and American governments have decided to nuke the industries by passing new laws that effectively criminalize anyone selling such products. They simply cannot tolerate allowing consumers to have continued access to natural products. I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, Alan Watt here, cutting through the matrix as it gets thicker and thicker. And the big boys with their deviancies always show it in their wording of things and how they they alter the meanings of word, the dictionary by dictionary, year by year now. And they're going after the herbal industry. Now, there's a lot of rackets too in all sides of, of industries that deal with health and health care. But it's up to the people to, to buy what they want. That's the bottom line. They have the choice to treat yourself with, with something that you believe in or if you get some benefit good for you. But we know for a fact, as I say, they don't want a fit, healthy population in this day and age. They want us to be dumb, dumbed down, lower IQ, while they go through the big changes so that they, when they come up with the whole eugenics agenda, which is on a steamroll at the moment, this roaring ahead, uh, then we'll be too dumb or carefree to even think about it. We'll just let them do what they want. You don't want a critical, intelligent the sentient population existing while you're going through these rapid changes, the biggest changes that the world's seen for thousands of years, integrating the new type of creatures and all the rest of it as they bring all society down and degrade us all through what they call entertainment. Now we'll go to a caller. We've got Alex from Toronto. Are you there, Alex? Yes, how you doing, Helen? How are you? Not, not so bad. Alan, you're really pissing me off tonight with this C-51 business. Mm-hmm. It's getting me really upset. Yep. Touched the nerve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've heard about it before. Uh, I was looking at uh, some information on uh, the Internet about it, and it was really distressing. Um, I did want to bring up a little something different. Um, I want to uh, uh, talk about um, CIBC's um, world market's prediction of $225 a barrel oil in four years. Mm-hmm. And when I heard about that, and the, and the, per, and the economist that predicted it uh, was also the, uh, the man who predicted $100 barrel oil mm-hmm. and who predicted the, the last housing bus quite yep. a few years ago. And I'm just thinking, $225 barrel oil, I mean, it, it hit me. like It was like a very uh, important number yeah. in the sense that uh, things are going to go to complete crap. I mean, I mean, I can't, just, I can't think. Like, I, I work in the city in Toronto. I work in um, uh, the restaurant business, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine two hundred twenty-five dollar a barrel oil mm-hmm. and people functioning yep. in the sense they are right now. Well, that's, out, just it. 
that's just it. They, they, they will not possibly be functioning in the way that they are right now. Helen, it's going to—it's they're, they're talking about that in four years. They're bringing these changes on really quick. Yes, I know. I know. It's going to be brutal. It has to be. You see, this, this is a war. This is a war on the psyche and the physical bodies of the entire planet. Oh man, it's going to be a disaster. I just can't. I, I can't. Like it's coming on so fast. I could see it coming on very quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just see it just like completely wiping out so many businesses. People just people are just going to stop say stop spending, and they're just going to be just in survival mode. Yeah, you, you will see one day. They want to see in a war. You you want to, what do you have in a war? You have refugees. Mm-hmm. So people in the country areas will be so that they can't drive. Even to local oh, towns, they'll be, they'll be dead broke. And so they'll be encouraged to move into these super city uh, habitat areas where they'll be overcrowded. And oh. that's one way of getting them off. It's and in those super cities, they've said there will be no private vehicles of any kind. Uh, yeah. There'll only be public transportation. This is the ordered society we have to go into as they start bringing down the populations in mandatory fashion. It's all part, it all meshes together. Now, gas up here today, uh, I think it was 131 a litre. Mm. And they said, yeah, by summer it's going to hit 150. Yeah. And we're on a roll now. Yeah. And Rumsfeld was the first guy right after 9-11 to say, well, you know, now that we've broken the psychological <laughs> uh, $40 a barrel limit, the sky is the limit. He says, don't. Don't uh, be surprised if it doubles in a year. Well, he was right on, too. How do they know these things? Because it's planned that way. Mm-hmm. Because at the top, you have this consortium, this clique, this big gang of oil companies. They're all just one big fraternity, and that's their, their slice of the world. They deal with the oil and all the, the oil products. You must enslave a people by, by taking over, eliminating all competition, and then raising all the prices until you have slaves who are very obedient and, and who do what they're told. But they, they want to get the folk off the road. Now, everything that's transported, and that everything, is skyrocketing in the stores. Yes. And it's not you... going to stop at all. Yes. Food, everything. Yeah. You are going to see ration cards. And they're yes. Only, they're discussing this in I heard this right about now. Some of these superstores in the States are rationing rice. Yes. <laughs> what nonsense! I saw yeah. a picture in the Star the other last week with uh, uh, I think it was in the Philippines or in Thailand or Malaysia, one of the countries, and they showed armed guards guarding rice. That's right. Isn't what? In- oh man, that that picture that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And, and we, will that, see, yeah. we will see. We will see eventually as we go through this. All the changes are coming upon us. And that's all the changes. You will see the same scenario one day that they had in the Soviet Union. That was a test bed for all of this, mm-hmm. where you go with your little plastic bottle and you oh, get your rice man. at the store after waiting five or six hours. Oh, man. That will come, yeah. I can, yeah. I, I can see it. Like I, I know you've said these things in the past, mm-hmm. but I can really see them coming to fruition in the very short term. That's right, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the music coming up, so I'll be back after the fallen break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I am Alan Watt, back, cutting through the matrix. And there are so many articles I could read, but uh, it would take forever. They, they're coming out so fast and furious now. In an attempt to do what it does to the average person, and that's overwhelm them, then they switch off as though it didn't concern them. They go into denial. And even when they're going through the changes, they go into denial. And just before I go on to the next caller, it's in, there's articles in the British newspapers about the coming uh, gasoline rationing. We don't have a ration card. They tried this back in the 70s when you had the fake oil crisis. It was a big experiment. And even people with motorcycles or a moped had to get a ration book for so much gasoline per week. And they were issued to the people at that time as part of the big experiment. Now we've got Steve in Colorado. Are you there, Steve? Uh, yes, yes I am. A uh, pleasure to talk with you, Alan. Um, I have a question, because you mention uh, Carol Quigley's book, Tragedy and Hope, uh, often in your talks. Mm -hmm. And I was listening the other day to Dr. Stanley Monteith, mm -hmm. uh, some of his uh, uh, tapes on YouTube, and uh, he mentioned that that book, Tragedy and Hope, uh, the book that we and the public are able to access is only the last half of the book. Mm -hmm. The first half of the book, uh, the publisher uh, destroyed uh, the, the the printing uh, plates on that. And yeah, so, that was Macmillan. Macmillan bought it over and broke the plates. Yeah. Yes. So, so uh, uh, my question: uh, I, Obviously, you were aware that uh, the book that people are able to purchase, Tragedy and Hope, is only the second half of the book. Have you any knowledge of uh, anyone who has a complete version of that book? And have you yourself seen the first half of that book? And if so, uh, what is uh, in that? Um, it's simply more of the same, more of the same stuff to do with the fact that an organization the, the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs had basically been running, um, even before they, they had these particular names given to them, they'd already been running the world for over 150 years, uh, causing wars, uh, bringing wars upon uh, different countries in a strategy, a takeover strategy, one by one. And uh, Quigley himself goes through why he was all for this particular project. He thought it was right that the, the elite intellectual types like himself yes, uh, had the right uh, to rule the lesser people. So it was just more of the same history, basically. So are you saying that you have seen the first half of this book? I got the, the original one there, but I, I thought that the one that's republished uh, did have the same amount of, of pages. I think I'd have to go back and check it. With, well, with the original they, I have. Yes. If, uh, well, the uh, the first half, based on the of, of the book itself, uh, where it starts, it would seem because uh, he starts to get into the actual of uh, um, formation of this uh, organization, and I thought it, it might give more insight into the initial players uh, yeah. uh, and their, uh, their their basis and and their and, and, and in other words naming some of the foundation uh, mm -hmm. ideologies of this. Know, he well, he, he in, did go into in the first one. He did go into uh, the first corporations, uh, government funded corporations uh, like the British East India Company from the 1500s on, 
Uh, and he also goes into uh, the creation of the big universities. Uh, Elihu Yale, uh, who created the Yale University, laid the money for that, was one of the co-founders of the British East India Company. And he said, through these universities, we will train leaders of the world, which will ensure that, that the system we, we have and control will continue generation to generation. Yes, and uh, my, my uh, uh, thought on all of this is that I think the fundamental uh, flaw that where things uh, started going um, askew, as it were, mm-hmm. is when the initial ideology started of uh, what's come to be known um, as the white man's burden. I believe Cecil Rhodes might have coined that. Which yeah, is, he wrote in a poem, and he read it to the U.S. Senate on the, on the Senate floor. Yes. In an official to, ceremony, a Masonic ceremony, by the way. Um, and he said, we pass the torch on to you, because they said that there was much more of a tax base in the U.S., a, a huge population. They could supply the military for the ongoing wars yes. and become the policemen of the world. Yeah. But my premise here is that if there is any truth to the uh, New Age uh, computer notion of garbage in, garbage out, mm-hmm. that when you start with that flawed notion and we're continuing to try to complete that flawed notion, this is what's gotten us as a world people uh, into the dilemma that we just sit and talk about the uh, individual parts of the dilemma yeah. without looking at the initial motivation of that dilemma, which is some sort of manifest destiny. Manifest destiny, you're absolutely right. That was the, the, the war hawks initially coined that term in the United States, and they called it a manifest destiny. Some of the founding fathers talked about this as a covert type uh, of, of phrase, and they had a destiny planned out for a world society when they set up the United States. But and I think we need Jefferson to be, I, and, and others uh, talked about this will be the beginning of a world federation. Yes, but I think we need to be more specific about, because those are, that are listening to us don't realize that when they say those words, it is a code word mm-hmm. for the initial brainchild of Cecil Rose, which is that white Europeans mm-hmm. control the world. Yeah. So the manifest destiny, the, the white man's burden, mm-hmm. is to control the world. And my premise is that that flawed base ideology uh, is what's caused us to be in the condition that we're in today. And so uh, using uh, uh, the, the, the premise of, of medicine, in order to cure this ill, we have to get to the root problem, which is we have to uh, do away, uh, put out of our minds, and, and call as flawed that initial premise mm-hmm. of the white man's burden yeah. to control the world and that manifest destiny doctrine which harbors in, in the hearts of these people that we talk about all of the time. And I think once we out that issue and put it on the table, it will be seen in, in, in a more uh, informed world as we have today as flawed as it is, and then we can start to dismantle this particular uh, situation. And one last thing before I close, if I may. Uh, I listen to you uh, uh, often, and uh, a lot of your callers uh, call in. I've even done it, wanting to know what we can do. I I I can hear the desperation and the hopelessness in their voices. 
And what I would say, in my opinion, obviously there's nothing you can do in terms of, uh, 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 in terms of violence or raising arms or standing up against this uh, in an armed fashion because it's simply not, not plausible. But I do feel that with a change, a simple change of mindset, that we just stop going along with this in our minds, realizing that it's wrong, that I think that hopefully there is a, some sort of a, of a kinetic energy that generates from everyone thinking that we don't want this anymore. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that that is the stake for this vampire's heart. That's why they give the, pa- the masses so many uh, circuses and feed them with so much bread and alcohol so as their minds won't focus. And I believe that if we can simply focus on the notion that this is something we don't want to do anymore as yeah. a people... That well, we've, got, we've got to do power. more than that. We've, we've got to start lobbying and demanding to know every association that every elected person from the school board to the police chief right up the ladder... Uh, what they've given uh, uh, allegiance to, what they've sworn allegiance to, and and that must be made public. If they're going to be put in positions where they can rule over us and do incredible things to us, you better you better find out who they really are and what they believe in and their agendas. Throw out their PR, public relations guys who, who give them the camouflage and find out how the, who the people really, really are. Because until we start demanding and taking the power back, uh, it's, it's all over. That's the first thing. We've got to take the power back to the people. They've trained generations that they are subservient to government. That, that's only a recent phenomenon for the Americas. It's been in, in Europe for centuries. They trained the people that you were subservient to government. Now, as simple as that, you were, you, were, um, you were actually a subject of Great Britain. That's what you were called on your passport. And we've got to stop this right in the bud and nip in the bud and say, hey, no, you are our servants, and we didn't elect children's aids armies with SWAT teams and all of this kind of stuff. We've got to get back to the very basics, and we better start doing it now, because the time will come when it truly will be too late, well, and we're at that threshold at the moment. And how far from that threshold do you think we are, if you can give us weeks, days, months, years? They expect riots to begin because of what they're bringing down upon the public, uh, judging from the Department of Defense uh, memorandum they put out the 90 page, they expect riots worldwide, but especially in the Western world, to break out uh, with increasing uh, severity beginning around 2010 for the next 30 years, they claim. It's going to take them 30 years to bring their whole agenda through, which is a totally different way of life. There's a lot of poverty. Um, you'll be, a lot of people who will be homeless uh, through, as we go through these crises, etc., and they, they have literally set up an internal army to deal uh, with riots, ongoing riots for 30 years. The NAFTA highway and these big roads are building at war pace. They were, this is a war situation. They're doing it night and day, winter and summer in Canada, nonstop, blasting these roads. That's for the rapid deployment forces to get to, to their destinations where riots are will, uh, will I, I hear up. your music in the background coming, so my final question to you is, is there any way, because I know you're very... You have to uh, go very quick now. You're very, you're very, you, you don't like contact. Is there any way to contact you? Because I, w- I would like to get you on... I, I might leave something at the end of the show. I would appreciate it, and an honor speaking with you, sir. Uh, thanks for calling. Okay, so we're still on the air. Okay, now we've got... Um, Jason in Pennsylvania. We're always 
uh, talking about how we in, as individuals need to pretty much stand up and say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, for it's always a small group of individuals that are the ones that thwart, thwarted yes. this plan throughout the history. Mm-hmm. And I was curious if you could just give one good example of when the small group of individuals actually did stand up and say no to uh, the aristocratic psychopaths that, mm-hmm. that did thwart their plan in the past. Well, I, I don't know if you know that after, I think it was World War uh, One or Two, in fact, in the United States, there were troops coming back to their, their little old towns, mm-hmm. which had been completely taken over yeah. by sheriffs who were just gangs, and they're running extortion rackets, and they're even charging people to come back in and live in the towns as they're getting demobbed from the military. And uh, a lot of these guys uh, got together, and they were tremendous shooting matches, and they literally cleaned out their own towns of all the thugs. Uh, that acted on behalf of the big oil corporations, etc., that stole all their lands while they were off at war. And they had these massive shootouts, and, and they did win, you know? Yeah. So you, you'll find that kind of uh, thing will work. You'll also find it's very difficult for military types, for all of their indoctrination and, and their pinhead mentality that is drummed into them, uh, when they're faced with millions of people ordinary people who are non-violent, um, it's very hard for them to justify their own role in what they're doing. Yeah. And, and that happened with Gandhi and others too, you know. Um, it's also tremendous good propaganda for onlookers across the world when they do see the guys with the guns um, beating up ordinary people who are simply demanding basic, basic rights. Right. And so uh, a lot of the forces uh, involved in that, especially when it's ongoing, and that, that, that time will come when you're having ongoing riots, yeah. uh, it's very hard for them to, to, to keep their propaganda in their head and, and be part of this. A lot of them will actually leave because they can't take it anymore. They know they're doing the wrong thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll send you that email, Hello? and I thank you for uh, talking to me. So, so, yes, I guess he's off, uh, off the phone, but... It's always the small ones down through history that do it, and even people who, who constantly do demonstrate um, for certain things, they, they put their heart and mind into things, uh, and, and they do get signatures on lots of things. Uh, that's the sort of thing that will attract attention to the general public, and you've got to have people who can put it across to the general public what exactly is going on in their lives, and if they don't take action now, there'll become a time when you have no you can take no action whatsoever. You'll simply bend over and do what you're told. And unfortunately, they're training the public to do this at airports and, and certain border security places. They dehumiliate the people. Dehumiliation is a technique to make people feel even more subservient. And, and uh, you, beca- you, be- you become the victim. You get a victim-type mentality, and you do exactly what you're told. That's what they're aiming for. We can't go any further along this path. Shortly, police will be raiding everyone's homes, and it put me in mind of old prison movies where you see them coming in and ripping the place apart every so often, humiliating the prisoner, tossing his few belongings on the floor. Well, when you see armies of police like they did in Britain recently going to certain areas, over 1,200 cops, a regiment of, of cops doing the same thing, 
your home or your apartment has been turned into a prison cell and all they're doing is the same thing. They're coming in and tossing everything around and reminding you that you're nothing more than a prisoner in this system. We cannot allow that to happen or even start. And if we don't do something now, it's going to become routine eventually. Right now they're trying to voluntarily get into the homes of people in some of the U.S. states to do these searches and you can't allow authority to, to get these powers. Once something is done voluntarily, it very quickly becomes the norm, and then it's a law. Very, very simple. Now, we have, uh, is it Rick in Ohio? Hello, Rick. Yes, uh, in reference Hello? to, I believe it was the second call back, I just make a uh, comment. I can hardly hear. Uh, could you put up the pot a little bit on the, the board? Hello? Oh, hang on. Okay, we're going to break, so we'll be back with more after these messages. Hi, folks, I am Alan Watt, cutting through the Matrix. And we had a problem, I think, with the volume that just, just sunk a little while ago. And we don't know what's causing it. Now we've got Rick in Ohio here. Are you there, Rick? Yes, Alan. Can you hear me? Yes, you are. Loud and clear. Okay, that's good. Hey, I've got a copy of Tragedy and Hope. Mine is printed, it says, second printing, 1974, with permission of Carol Quigley by William Morrison, Los Angeles, California, from Angriff Press, Hollywood, California. Mm -hmm. Is that the complete? It's 1,348 pages hardcover. Is that the complete edition, do you know? It sounds about right. It sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, I thought it would be. I wanted to make a comment on that one, uh, I think it was the second caller back. He talked about the, uh, the white man's burden and Cecil Rhodes wanting to uh, conquer the world's resources for the white uh, mm -hmm. race. I don't. I think he's got to realize that that was simply sales propaganda, mm -hmm. just as they sell wars today. Mm -hmm. He had no interest in... White Europeans ruling the world. He was oh, yeah, more behind this small elite clique of the wealthiest ruling the world. Yeah. But they oh, had to sell the idea of going into Africa and, and the Middle East and Asia and taking the resources for themselves. They had to wrap it in the flag the same way they do today. Oh, absolutely. You, you find that every major war down through history, even from the Romans and, and before the Romans, was all economic wars. They plunder countries. And they always used patriotism or, or, or whatever the spiel was at the time. And sure enough, well, you see, ever since Darwin and all the rest of it came along, it was a handy tool to use for all the, the middle classes who, in the military who would go across the world and really believe in their own superiority and, and fight all these wars and rule the peoples of the conquered countries while they plundered all the wealth. But, but of course, you're quite right. It was always a small, dominant elite at the top uh, who don't care what color you are. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. And uh, it's, it's just war propaganda. That was war propaganda of a hundred and some years ago, just as we have our warmed over, rehashed war propaganda of today. That's right. And he made the comment about we've got to focus our thoughts and not, no, we've got to actively resist any way and every way we can. We have to get out there get other people out of the, the mental matrix they're in. We've got to deprogram them. We've got to 
get them actively resisting wherever, whenever, however possible. Mm -hmm. That's how we're going to do it. I know. You see, it's best to be organized to resist and do it while you can resist before you become a disorganized mob that's right. rioting because, because you're starving. That's right. I agree. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of work to do, and we've got to do it quick. And thanks for okay, calling. Okay, I'll let you go, Alan. Nice talking to you. Bye. There's Mark in California. Are they there, Mark? Hello, Alan? Yes. Okay, um, I have a question. I'll try to make this real quick. I'm a new listener, and I really uh, appreciate what you're doing. But I have a puzzling question. It seems that the United Nations, there's no question that it was set up to be the world government of the future. Mm -hmm. And in the 90s, we saw that with the Clinton administration, where every action we did uh, was under the United Nations, and we heard it on the nightly news every day. It seems that with the coming of Bush and the whole New American Century crowd, we stopped hearing about the United Nations. And I just wondered if this is just another faction, mm -hmm. or is the United Nations, in the United Nations, still the dominant superpower? It's and still I'd the like dominant. What it is is a, is a ploy to distract attention from the United Nations' power at the moment, so that the U.S. will take the heat, uh, and eventually, of course, the, the U.S. will merge into this world society as, as help to fund. So, simply distraction to take the heat off of the United Nations. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling. Thank you. Uh, from, from Hamish and myself up here in Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.